Camera speeds. Hey, Mark. Welcome back to another episode of the Focus Puller at Work podcast. My name is Nicholas Brown, and today I will be your host. My guest today is Justin Simpson. Justin and I discuss how he got into the business by interning at Airy CSC in New York City, what it's like keying a movie that has four simultaneous units, and many other things. Thank you for joining us, and please enjoy. All right, I'm here with Justin Simpson, First AC. First of all, thank you so much for being my first guest as a host of the Focus Puller at Work podcast. It means a lot to me. Thanks for being here. Of course, man. Glad to be a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you're a First AC. First of all, how old are you? And um, how long have you been in the business? I'm a first AC. I am 31 years old, and I've been in the business since 2010. Um, so yeah, 11 years. It's a long time. So it's a <laughs> long time. Um, yeah, 11 years. That's when I moved to New York City. Is when I started my career, I guess, officially. So you're you're based out of New York. Yes, I'm based out of New York currently cool. in Charleston, South Carolina, <laughs> working on a show. How did you get into the business? Like, what was your, did you, did you always know that you want to be in film or is it something you just fell into or how did that process go? Um, I didn't know I wanted to be in film. I didn't have parents or any relatives that were in the industry. I knew nothing about the industry really growing up, but me and my buddies were really into jackass <laughs> <laughs> and we, we like to do stunts and stuff. So that coming with, you know, doing that. We wanted to film it, so <laughs> so we found a buddy of ours, like old. It was like mini DV or something like that. Camera, like his dad's, and we pulled that out. We filmed ourselves doing all these stupid things, and I guess I was always the guy. I mean, I was the guy in front of the camera, but I was also the guy <laughs> mostly behind the camera. Oh man, at that time, so we had we ended up somehow on VHS, and we were I was editing tape to tape VHS. Really? Yeah. Were you using like two VCRs? Two VCRs. What? Yeah. That's so awesome. we had a little compilation video of everything. Is that is that still in existence? It's still in existence. Can I have you, it. Can you have it? Can you get it? Like next time you go home, can we yeah. watch it? It's not digitized, <laughs> but it exists. <laughs> okay. Well, we need to make copies of that because yeah. I want to see it. So yeah, we did that. And then that kind of got me interested in filmmaking. So, which was also cool in high school, I had a filmmaking course which i took so that was like your standard intro to filmmaking they give us little tv cameras and we did our little films and stuff that's cool and then i just kept it going so then i decided to go to film school applied to a few got into full sale full sale was cool i met one of my best all my best friends that i talked to today from there i went back to michigan because at that time there was the film incentive going on that was probably 2000, 2009, I don't know. And I tried to break in there and it was just way too complicated. It was too tough. Was it just like a commercial market or what was it like? They were doing like the Red Dawn, is that the movie Red Dawn remake at the time? Yeah. And they had some other things. They were talking about a big studio that was going to open up. So I had hopes, but I don't know. So me and a buddy from high school went to Full Sail together. We both came back and we were like doing like weddings and shit. And then he, he actually kind of broke in. I kind of... I don't know. I was just wasn't trying hard enough, I suppose. Yeah. So I decided from there to just go to New York. I figured it's like New York or LA. Right. 
when you planned to go to New York, had you met people that you were going to go to New York and they were going to hook you up with jobs? Or did you just go blindly to New York and hope that you would find something? Well, two other friends I met in Full Sail in, in film school, they, they also wanted to move to New York. They didn't live in Michigan or anything, but one of them, so he, he jumped ahead, moved to New York right away. So he was already there and establishing himself. Nice. So then I followed suit and we got an apartment together and my other buddy came and then we all lived in a super small apartment. <laughs> it was five dudes at one point. Like it was a two bedroom that was converted into four dudes. I don't know. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But you were chasing the dream. So it was worth it. Yeah. Chasing the dream, I guess. Um, I didn't camera assist immediately. I didn't really, because in full sale, I was shooting. I guess I was the guy known to like shoot the projects. So I kind of kept that going. I was shooting like zero money budget stuff in New York with my friend who was producing think these things. It was fun. Those were the those were the dog days for sure. Right. <laughs> and then um, from there, I wasn't making enough money like to live, so I had to get a job. So I I interned at Airy CSC, and that it's all this sequence of things because I went to Full Sail. Airy took me in as an intern. I did that for a summer. And then after that, I wanted to stick with the rental house thing. So I went, I went to another rental house, Handheld Films yeah. in Manhattan. And they took me because I was an intern at CSC. They really, the, mar, the owner there, he's an interesting dude. And he just basically wanted all the secrets from Mary. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I helped them out a little bit. That's funny. Did they, so when you were an intern at Aerie, you were an intern, so you weren't getting paid, right? No. Okay, so then when you went to Handheld Films, you were finally getting paid. I was finally getting paid. So yeah. That's when you were really kind of starting and budding mm -hmm. to actually make money within the film industry mm -hmm. in, in a way. Yep. And I was shooting along the way, like shooting little things with my buddy. And it wasn't until working at Handheld Films, which I, I would recommend going that path for camera assistance. Working at a rental house? Working at a rental house, yeah. It wasn't until then I realized being a camera assistant could be like a very viable option for me because I got to know the gear like super well. Yeah. You know, and then there was DPs that would come through there or other camera assistants, mostly DPs who'd be like, can you uh, just like jump on this weekend job with me? Straight to a first, which I don't know where that came from. I was like that, that confidence. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'll just do it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Fake <laughs> it till you make it. So I was just doing did these you have, things. Did you have any like, focus pulling experience before that or did you literally no. just show up that first day and be like yeah i can pull focus yeah and i don't know it just i guess it was innate in me i think that's a, a thing for focus pullers either they say that some people say that you have it or you don't you know but you can learn i mean there's assistants that start from the bottom you know hammer pa utility loader second and then they're, they're learning along the way but right. for me it was just a big leap straight to focus pulling i didn't really i second a little bit for very particular people that i wanted to you know to get on the bigger sh things to right. learn i did it for them but i kind of labeled myself as a first ac it's it's an i think that's a cool like story that you got to just kind of not necessarily skip but not like you deliberately skipped anything but it's just Happened it that just way. happened to yeah. be that you got to jump straight to first thing. And yeah. you're really, really good at it, which is, you've been doing it for so long now. <laughs> yeah. And after, yeah, after I quit handheld, I was doing non-union things for a long time. There's a, in New York, I'm sure on LA too, there's a pretty big non-union scene. Like you can be a career non-union camera assistant, you really? know, and, and make a ton of money, you know, it's just a different market over there. 
I'm sure it's probably the same way in LA. It's just such a big, yeah. you know, I just don't know it. Um, so how did you transition into getting into union work? Well, so while I was working at handheld, I took the test. That's a whole nother thing. I, I'm kind of glad I didn't go with CSC, stick with CSC. Like a lot of interns will start working with them afterwards, which is a way to go. Cause then you'll, most of those interns and employees will take the test, which I took while I was at handheld. And then they would, from there, it's kind of expected to go up the ladder. So if I had stayed there, I probably would have been like, okay, I'm going to be a loader on a big TV show in New York. So that was the difference. I took the test while I was at handheld just for fun. Like I didn't expect to join. I just wanted, I was kind of bored. Right. <laughs> it was just something to do. And I yeah. passed and I sat on that pass test for two or three years until, until I joined because I'd only joined because I had a, a, a good offer. I wasn't just going to join and just wait and just waste all my money, you know? Right. So I got lucky and I met, I met a DP that um, asked me to do a, a TBS show. And I, that's where I did my first union job was, a first on a TV show. <laughs> but <laughs> I had this, been is A this first. The same DP that we worked with. Yeah. How did you meet him? It's Michael Simmons, yeah. by the way. Michael Simmons is the DP. How did you meet Michael Simmons? Um, I met him. It's a funny story. So I, I worked, I was working on these little jobs. It, it was what you would call a lifestyle <laughs> video. I don't know what the, that, what does that mean? It's like a small video, which might be an ad on a web. I don't know. It's, it's right. like some silly thing. It was two day shoot. The DP, he didn't get me on. It was a, a DP I'd known from other non-union work. He asked me to do it. He like left the second day and like Michael Simmons was like his replacement. It was one of those jobs where like it was such a small little thing where like I was the camera department. Right. Michael Simmons was running off the little camera pulling his own focus. So I wasn't even a focus puller. We just got along on that one day and he asked me to do a non-union feature. The next call I got from him was a non-union feature based on you just following him around and changing batteries. <laughs> I, I remember the, the day, this might have something to do with it. I remember like the day was over and I was about to leave. I was like, you know, I can pull focus. <laughs> I told him that. I was like, I know I didn't really do any of it today, but if you need me in the future, I, I, I do do that. So He probably hates doing it. So that's yeah. probably why, that's probably exactly why he called you. He was like, oh yeah. Like I hated doing that. So um, yeah, so that's fun. Maybe so then, that little... That little uh, note I gave him at the end. And that was it. So then you, uh, yeah. so then from then on, you've basically just been working nonstop. Mm-hmm. You're pretty busy. I guess so. Um, like I are. could be busier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone could be busier. Yeah. But. It's a comfortable amount of work I'm getting. Right. Starting this year. <laughs> I'm talking about last year. Right. I know. COVID. It, it yeah. affected a lot of people. Yeah. All right. So what's your favorite lens control system and why? Well, <laughs> um, Preston, for sure. Right. That's not to say I'm a Preston fanboy. I have nothing against any of the other ones. I I use them. Um, Preston is just something that I'm used to, you know, especially because I bought it. So right, yeah, right, <laughs> it's right. Definitely something <laughs> I'm gonna use for a long time. I mean, I love Preston because they're tanks, and I've never had one fail on me. Airy, I guess early on, it didn't have very good. Um, range so that kind of stuck in my brain i'm sure it's changed now and, but I, and there's things about area that's way better than preston like it's like it's a integration integration with their other area products which i wish was a thing with preston preston holds their their uh, secrets tight <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to like give up a lot of their code or whatever yeah and all these other new systems are very integrated with with other things that i work with like the 
I don't use the Light Ranger. I think that's that's not something I'm I really want to get into. But I use the Focus Bug, the Cine RT. Right. Preston doesn't play very nice with them, I guess. If you had the choice, would you would you use a manual follow focus or you you like to be wireless? I think at one point I would have said manual follow focus, but it's been a long time since I've used it. Right. And I'm very comfortable with wireless now. Yeah. Like when I was doing music videos, I really, I liked when we were not wireless, we were not handheld or, or mobile, of course, but music videos is, and weird videos, manual follow focus is so nice because you can just, that thing can go faster than any motor could. You can do crazy things with a manual follow focus, but it's just not possible anymore. No one expects the first to be sitting on the dolly. Right. <laughs> also, the throw distance is like the same on a, on a, when you're doing the throw on a, Manual follow focus, like it's the same the whole yeah, way it's through. the same feel. You know, you're you're the knob, right? It's all designed. They're all designed with that in mind. You know, if you're going from ten feet to twenty feet, you're gonna feel that same distance in your hand throw on both. You know, right? Like, Here's another question. This is something that I've noticed from certain focus pullers. Do you feel like you need to see, be able to see the dolly to see it physically moving? Yeah, to be comfortable. Because I know. Absolutely. Some first ACs that I've seen who could literally be in a different room, sitting in a chair in front of their monitor, and they can nail it. And I can't do that. If when I'm pulling, when I'm pulling focus, yeah. I have to be able to physically see so I can kind of gauge the actual distance with my eyeballs. Absolutely, I totally agree with that. I can't be in the other room. I need to be there. I need to, like you said, see the dolly move when it's moving and when it's not moving, or the person. And I do like to see distances. Like there's a certain point for me where if it's too close, like I'm not I'm not measuring like like three foot two inches by looking at the camera and the guy. I'm, I'm right, right, right. but if you're if we're getting like ten feet and beyond, like I like to see that distance with my eye, you know, and kind of go by, kind of go by without a monitor at that point because it's hard to see on wide lenses further distances and focus on a monitor. Right. You could be off. You could think you're on, but it's just when it's blown up, it's not. You know, I mean, when you when you look at it bigger, you know, blow it up, it might be slightly soft. Right. And if you're judging it by that monitor, a small monitor in front of you, I don't know. That's that's just not. I like to see the distance and know that you know, or use a rangefinder at that right. point. What are some other pieces of equipment that you think that a first AC should own or at least utilize? Um, well, the three important things would be your follow focus system, your rangefinder, and your monitor. Those are the strongest tools. For a focus puller, I own other things like a map box because I'm OCD, that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, I don't like to deal with all the other things that the rental houses try to give you. You know, I'm like, I ask, I'll ask them for all these things, and they're like, we don't, maybe we have that. It's like, right. no, I have it now, and I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are what else do I own? That's it, I guess. You're a tape marks on the ground kind of guy when it comes, when it calls for it. Or are you just a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy? Not much anymore. I used to do tape marks a lot earlier on, which it gives you a sense of security, you know, but no one hits marks. Anymore. Right. I know. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Like, yeah, yeah, you can put the, you, you'll know where the dolly is. Yeah. But if the actor doesn't hit their mark, then. Yeah. You know. I used to um, use a laser on the dolly. I, mean, I still do. I might still do it. I don't know. But that's like, a, if, if everyone's on their marks, it's a super sure way that you're going to hit your marks. You know what I mean? laser hitting the floor with tape marks it's super precise and i like i would use that a lot but not so much anymore right maybe if i was doing film i'd use all that stuff yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) 
I think on this most recent show I'm currently on, I've been doing a lot more hardwiring because it gives you such such um, cleaner image and less latency. And it's I've been doing that a lot more despite the the, the woes of the right. seconds and the utilities. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's just such a cleaner image. And we used to do that all the time, you know? We, right. we could pull the old BNC back out. Oh, yeah. Back when I first started, when I was a camera PA, I used to... I mean, we had a box, a sing, we had two cameras. We had a single box Meridian yeah. that we used in certain situations. Otherwise, we were constantly cabled. Yeah. And I was having to, I'll never forget as a camera PA, the show called Reckless. We had this in downtown Charleston. We set like this 60 foot track dolly move. And as the characters are walking, I had to run a cable for the whole thing. And they were moving quickly. And I was trying to wrap like over under as the dolly was coming at me. And it's smacking them, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just too fast. It was too fast for me at the time. I could yeah. probably do it easily now. But I'll just never forget like getting, not chewed out, but being like, we can hear the cable sp- slapping yeah. on the, the dolly. And I'm like, I'm trying my <laughs> best. Like, Yeah. I got a funny story too about very similar situation. It was my first big job in New York City before I even worked at Aerie. I think Craigslist, I got a camera PA job on a, non-union feature like out in Montauk first job ever I was terrified (laughs) and my duty was to wrangle cable or something and I had no idea how I was doing it the second AC she came up to me ripped it out of my hands and like threw it on the ground and started started just like just totally just disregarded my existence just ripped it out of my hands threw it on the ground and started wrangling it and just like just like shut me out I was like oh yeah, it was this, so bad. That's the worst way to learn. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's but, interesting. Yeah, but I'll never forget that job. That was an important one. The very first job. Yep. Nice. So you did camera PA for one job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think you working in industry, you've had to make some sacrifices, you know, relationship wise or just in your life in general? Yes. You'd be a fool to say that you're not making any sacrifices unless you're like some bachelor that just loves to work your right. ass off constantly <laughs> it has no family friends um yeah so hardest thing especially for someone in the camera department is you can't it's really hard to take days off especially in a smaller market city you know what i mean where there's not people around like that they need to travel and all that stuff especially if you're if your dp really trusts you and want and you know you work to a certain level of proficiency it's so hard to just take a day off. Right. You know, and especially, I mean, if you're not like, you don't have your protege or your protege, you know, I mean, you're like your second or someone that right. can just do your job. So that's rough when you can't take days off and for, for things that if you work in nine to five, you'd want it, you know, like a, like taking your kid to the doctors, you know, like you don't necessarily need to be there, but like, man, it would be great to be there. Right. <laughs> but Taking a day off is hard for those kind of things. Right. What about relationship-wise? Well, my wife is amazing. And she, (laughs) so we, to go back, we met at Handheld Films. She was an employee. She was actually my boss (laughs) when I I first moved there. And so we met under circumstances, which I think to me are very important because after Handheld, she also worked in the industry and we worked together. She was my second on a lot of things and eventually she got out it wasn't something she wanted to do her whole life but um i think that was that's very important for our relationship because she understands exactly what i do and and what it means to uh 
to to work that hard and you know what I mean right. for these people. <laughs> yeah. So that's made it a lot easier. Um I can imagine it being really hard for someone who expects you home all the time. Right. Yeah. But at least you know the way I look at it it's like it's not like you're doing this for a job that you just happened to get. You know what I mean? It's like a dream that you're yeah. kind of following and it's like how could someone you have to be passionate about this job or this industry really, you know, any any position in the industry. I think you really have to have a strong sense of of what of what you're doing, you know. Right. Yeah. Comfortable with with working this much kind of yeah, it's also hard, you know, cuz you have to to, I mean, you don't have to live in New York or LA, but I chose to live in New York and that's not where my, I'm from. So I had to, that's hard to not be able to just go on vacations back home or my wife's family, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If you could live anywhere, would you stay in New York or would you move back to Michigan or? Um, I would stay in New York. Yeah. yeah. New York is, I love New York. Nice. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely never been on a t-shirt before. So. Um, your work is a very accomplished first AC or do you have aspirations to do anything beyond pulling focus or? Absolutely. What are your future aspirations? Um, I don't, I don't dream to be a director <laughs> or, uh, whatever. I, my goal is to be a cinematographer. I've done it. I love it. And I hope one day I don't plan. I, I would love to operate, you know, like make that jump yeah, and then transition into shooting full time. No, that's hard. I know a lot of firsts who have done that leap to operator or maybe cinematographer. And it's just, it's a hard one because unless you are just so tight with a DP who lets you operate all the time, you're just like waiting around. <laughs> right. I know it's it's going to be a tough jump, but do it. I'll do it at some point. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're going to jump to operating first or do you want to try to just go ahead and bypass that and just go straight to being a cinematographer? Depends. I mean, I still have those buddies who produce stuff that I shoot with. I don't call myself a DP. Right. To them, I do. But <laughs> I don't go around saying, oh, I'm a DP first. You know? um, that's weird. But So you didn't make the business cards when you got out of no. school like I did? Well, I, yeah, I did. That's, <laughs> the box of business cards about that's those. sitting dusty in my closet right now? Let's not talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd hope to to operate first and then steady cam operator or just op- no nah. steady cam not for nah. me man yeah don't want to hurt your body <laughs> <laughs> no more than it already is <laughs> yeah no I, that's that's a I'll let the steady cam I'll let those people do that stuff good yeah not doing that right I have a question about prep yeah I just thought about this when you're in prep and you're the a first mm-hmm. does does your DP come at you and say these are the this is the stuff I want for the show, or do you come up with what you think he will want, or do you guys work together? How does that work? It totally depends on the DP. Um, I have a very good relationship with Michael Simmons, and I think there's a lot of unspoken demands from him. I don't know <laughs> unspoken uh, things that we we know, and he might give a very broad. You know, he's not a technical guy. I like that because I like to be technical for him, and you know, tell him what he needs to what he needs to know, whatever. Um, some DPs know exactly what they want. I mean, they're, they're not going to say how, you know, like what lens control system or monitors that you should use, you know, they just want to make sure it's in focus. You know? Right. But yeah, they might, they might, they'll know probably what camera and lenses they want. So Simmons hits you up and says, Hey, we're going to use the, sh- the signature primes and a couple of yeah. LFs. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been 
fortunate enough to be able to choose the focal lengths, you know. I mean, you have to be practical about it too, especially on previous work. That That's how we have unspoken things because of previous work. You know, every new job with him, I learn more and more and know what we'll need, you know. Yeah, being able to choose focal lengths is cool because I get to, there's all these weird focal lengths coming out with large format. Yeah, right. I get, try to get all that stuff. Um, but I've worked at DPs who own their own gear. You know, I have to work with that. And yeah. Cool. Thanks. I, that's an honest question that I've had for years. Yeah. Like where I like to make, I love making camera lists. I'm like super nerdy about that. Like, like that's just something that kind of excites me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'll, I'll get like the general strokes and I'll just go in there and like, cause I need to give these rental agents detailed stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Or we'll show up on the day and I'll just be asking for this and that and this and that and it'll take forever. You have to be prepared, you know what I mean? For these, for, for checkouts. And I'll go down to like the, bra- you know, this bracket, that bracket, you know what I mean? Right. Because I know how I want to work. I know what'll make our days more efficient. I've gotten that shorthand with the DP, but details for the, for the rental house. <laughs> right. So yeah. going into that, um, being efficient, what do you what do you think is a good thing that a first AC can do to make a to make a DP look good or just prepare a DP for a good a shoot, a, a smooth shoot? A lot of what I just said is so you over prepare, you know, you get things that they might not ask for, but you know you have to talk you have to talk to key grip about what it's important that you are very connected with other departments. Because that's, I think that's what the DP expects you to do. You know, they're not going to tell you. Talk to the key group about, you know, I don't go on the scouts as a first. I don't, I don't typically go on the scouts, but the key group, the, you know, I'll talk to the best boy grip. You know, he's got notes of, of where we are, what we're using. Right. So if I talk to them, I'll know what gear I'll need. So in prep, like before we even get to, sh- to shooting, do you, do you have like conversations with the key grip about, you know, whether or not we're going to use a remote head on the show and all that kind of stuff before yeah. we even get there? For sure. Yeah. Okay. I like, yeah. I like to talk to them about those things. Um, sound department, you know, about, I mean, that's just about camera builds and whatnot. Yeah. So I think it's, if you want to make your DP look good, you have to, you know, it's also very important that you interpersonal with production. You know what I mean, if they're dealing with things, on a whole nother level and if from production and if you were the guy who's just like battling it out with production that's not gonna look good <laughs> right, you right, know right. what i mean like they're gonna go to michael and be like yo your first is just giving us such a hard time so i like like i like to keep it cool with the production you know upm or whatever whoever's in charge of the gear and and crewing and all that it's another thing just being good to the uh the pas and stuff and just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, screw the PAs. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do you think has been your the most challenging project you've worked on and how did you rise to the challenge? I could say my first union job, but or my first show, but probably gonna go and say the biggest budget thing I did, which was in New Orleans, Project Power, um, a Netflix movie, which it was a huge leap for me. I've been doing two camera three camera TV shows and movies. This was like a whole nother beast. This is like multiple unit kind of deal, which I never really, I didn't even know that was going to happen until we were in it. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was something that I was, that I didn't, I wasn't like prepped on or like told about. It just happened along the way. It was fun. I loved it. You know, I had to 
coming to work every day, you know, and just like tense up and get and get ready right, for right. for managing three or four units at a time. You know, I remember at one one point near the end, we had our main unit, we had a second unit going, we had an insert unit, we had a drone unit, all in one day. Damn, <laughs> I was like, wow, we have four units going at once right now. This is, is intense. You know, all different places. You know, so having to get the gear and the people organized and having to remember all that, you know, someone come up to you be like, oh, what's what's going on with this on that unit? And I'll, you know, pull it out of my ass. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was tough. But I look back on that fondly because not only was like New Orleans has like the coolest crew, you know what I mean? They're amazing. I went over there and they were just like so prepared for it. You know what I mean? For that kind of work. Right. Very cool. Yeah, at that point, when you're dealing with all those units, pulling focus is like secondary. You know, I mean, right, that's right, actually right. Sim- something Simmons told me, Michael Simmons, the DP. He, before it started, while he was prepping, he's like, you know, focus pulling is probably going to be something you're not thinking about during this because you're going to be dealing with all these units and what, I don't know, all these equipment, equipment and crew and yeah, that's all crazy. stuff, you know, crazy locations and whatnot. Stunts, you know, I mean, I've never worked with so many stunts and, and uh, special effects before. That was cool. It's a very special effect heavy movie. Yeah. It's a great movie, by the way. Um, people that are like burning and lit on fire and yeah. jumping around and mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Funny thing about that was we, I think there was, because there were such epic scenes, we'd be doing a scene for two months, but like in parts, like right. all the different different elements to a scene would be shot throughout a month while we're doing other scenes. You know what I mean? Like, like, are we going to do the green screen studio stuff this day? And then another day we're going to do just an element, you know what I mean? So it's just like hard. It was so hard to visualize these scenes put together because you're doing so many different parts and different times of the month. It was, that was interesting to see come together. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, Oh, (laughs) that's what we did. Yeah, for about 20, like 10 to 15 seconds of uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> screen for time. 10 seconds. <laughs> How long was the shoot? It ended up being three months. Yeah. Nice. Three, going almost four months. But yeah, that was that was the longest at that time I'd been away too. That was that was tough being away for that long. But I was just in the trenches, man. I didn't have time to think about anything right. else. <laughs> yeah, I said to do it. Yep. Well, you got it done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it turned out pretty cool. Except the last third of the movie was reshot. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like without you? Yeah. Like they reshot it, I don't know, like half a year later, six months later. Oh. Because of what reason? I guess it, they put it together and it wasn't good enough. Uh. Well, Netflix has money to spend. That that budget just got bigger and bigger. It started, it started, I think it almost doubled. <laughs> really? By the, t- by the end of it. Especially with that reshoot, I'm sure it must have gotten... Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, it was a huge scene that we shot at the end. The, I, the, the ship? Yeah. Yeah. I brought in people for, it was weeks and weeks of shooting that the last scene. I brought in all these people, all this gear. I was thinking like, wow, there's so much money we're spending. And then they just, it's, it's gone. <laughs> there's people that I brought in who whose work never even made it. Really? Yeah. Well, that's like Swamp Thing. You know, we I worked went right. up and worked on Swamp Thing for... I think I did like a total of like three weeks on that show on like second between main unit and second unit. And there was like every time I was there, it seemed like there was two full units. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a, a unit doing, right. you know, Splinter the main unit. stuff and then there's a splinter unit. It was like two full units constantly. Mm-hmm. And before they even finished shooting the show, 
They canceled it. Yeah. It's like, why even, why even just like put it out first and see yeah. if it gets a good reception? Yeah. But that's too bad. It was all yeah. those people's labor and just. The other thing too was they decided to tell the crew that it was being canceled at lunch. So then it's like, okay, we're back in and everyone's like, all right. I mean, but for what? Like, I guess, you know, like I feel like the morale had to have dropped like yeah. crazy. Like, I guess we're back in for lunch. That's a and, bummer. Yeah. It's super weird because it, I haven't seen it, but from what I. Did they just. After lunch, everyone went home? No, they sh- they continued shooting it. They ended up finishing the final episode, uh, quote unquote, which was, I think they had to rewrite the ending or something. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know the true story of that, but yeah. um, but it was just one of those things where like, if I was on that show and they canceled it and they told us at lunch, but they're like, well, we're going to finish shooting the rest of this episode. The passion for, yeah. you know, it would be gone. It would be gone. Yeah. So very interesting. I, I, I want to know what the truth is, but um, I don't know. What do you think makes a good first AC? Hmm. Um, I guess you got to be a f- good focus puller. I guess you can get away with being a, a messy dude, but as long as you're a good focus, <laughs> focus puller, you know, you might, you'll get, I've, I've, I've know those dudes who are magicians at fo- pulling focus, but like, they're just, they're just a mess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're just like, it's like, how do you, so that is one thing, but I also like being very clean detail-oriented, you know what I mean? It's it's a seconds job, you know, but I like to instill that on the department, especially as an A first, you know what right. I mean? Try to, you know, spread that amongst the, the department. <laughs> it it, it's, it, it, uh, it makes for a more efficient department. Right. I will say that uh, our camera truck uh, that we're currently using, yeah, we brought in a, a, an ass, uh, additional assistant a couple weeks ago and he came on the truck and he said, dude, he's like, I've never seen this truck this organized and this clean. And I was like, yeah, we like to keep it nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else makes it good first? Um, yeah. You have to communication. I remember just a few weeks ago, I buzzed a shot and I called for, I called to do it again. And Sim was like, thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> I think a lot of firsts these days might, they'll just eat it, you know? Right. They'll bite their tongue and move on and you have a buzz shot. Especially if you know. Sometimes I know, this has been having, happening more recently, I'll know that I buzzed a, sh- a shot, but it's like, that one's going to make it the right. cut. You know because what I mean? Because performance or something? Because performance like- or because like you're the only camera on that. You know, you got to think about if the other camera is, is shooting this and that. So, so I called it out. He thanked me. We did it again. It was great. I think that's important to be honest. Right. You know? Yeah. You can't just live in fear and hope it works out because. Well, yeah. I mean, I, but the thing too is like, I, Everyone makes like those little mistakes because sometimes yeah. there's really hard shots. And the thing is like, you're there to make sure it's in focus. So yeah. if you don't be like embarrassed or something, I feel yeah. like, I, I feel like that's partly like an embarrassment thing. Like, oh crap, yeah. I don't want anyone to know that, I, that right. I buzzed it. But it's like, that's literally while you're there. Just tell them I need another one. Yeah. They'll give it to you. I understand. They'd totally. rather give you another one than to get into the cutting room floor and realize, or get into the cutting room and realize that they have this great take of this mm-hmm. actor's performance and realize like it's buzzed. Yeah. In the film days, you would have to call out because you'd literally be the only one. Maybe the operator would have seen it, but you'd probably be the only one that knows that happened. But you can't expect today just because there's monitors everywhere that everyone's paying attention to focus. Right. You know what I mean? 
they're not. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the time, you know, one dude's looking at a shoe. You know, the operator's looking at the headroom. DP is looking at his phone. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have to be honest about that. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I got a couple of rapid fire questions so I'm going to hit you with. All right. Let's do it. All right. You ready? Yeah. Airy or red? Airy. Okay. Why? It's not very rapid. <laughs> Airy because I've been, I've, I've like very, I've used it way more. Okay. Jaeger or backstage? Jaeger. Disgusting. I'm kidding. Mom. LaCroix or water? LaCroix. Good choice. Those are the only three I have. That's it? <laughs> that wasn't very rapid. Um, I know we talked about you, you know, how you how first they say you can set up the DP for success, but how can the how can the A first set up the entire camera department to be yeah. as efficient as possible? Don't be an asshole. Don't be a jerk. I agree with that. <laughs> There's a lot of firsts. And luckily I came up I think I came up in a time where all the I've heard some horror stories, you know, of some brutal firsts and operators. Older, older dudes who, you know, that's how they ran their departments at their in their time. Very militant and, and you know, you'd get reprimanded and screamed at and you just have to take it. I luckily came up in a, you know, more modern time where I didn't have those people. I, there was a few, I guess, but whatever. Um, they didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> uh I definitely don't hold a grudge. Yeah, I don't hold a grudge. You have to communicate in a human tone. You know, you have to just be decent. Right. You know, you, you have to, you know, sometimes you have to be a little stern, you know, or otherwise you're not going to, you can't just be a buddy all the time. You know right. what I mean? Make, you know, just set your department up for success. I think I like to spread the work, you know what I mean? I don't like to take it all on my shoulders. I think some first may do that. It might work for them, but I think it really works for me if if I'm giving someone a task, you know, whether it be calling the crew in, or calling some additionals in or dealing with gear, <laughs> um, calling the rental house. If I spread that to other people, they feel like they're, you know, part, you know, they're doing their part, you right. know? And it's also very important that you kind of, you you know who you're working with. You read the room a little bit. You can't just like give someone who gives fuck all about gear the task of dealing with gear, you know right, what I mean? Right, right, You have to really, I think it's important that you under you you lean on their strengths, you know, of of your seconds or loaders or whatever. What else? Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Have you ever made any mistakes that ended up being a good, you know, learning experience for you that improved you as a camera system? Nope. No. <laughs> no, I don't ever make mistakes. Um, it's a tough question because if there's never been anything like monumental that you yeah. screwed up, then I it's... mean, I've definitely made mistakes. Like, I remember on one job early on, like, I, for some reason, I was holding the camera, like, in front of me instead of on my shoulder and I was going up steps and I just fucking bailed and like fell forward onto the camera. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, I will never carry it like that again. Right. <laughs> I would carry my shoulder as much as possible now. I mean, like my center of gravity is like way off. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've put a camera on a, on like a cart. The top shelf is just like 
It looked like a crumpled piece of paper and the damn thing fell off the cart once in front of all these people. That was a huge mistake. I don't know. Those kind of like little things where where you foolishly damage something, you learn to right. never do that again. Yeah. You know? I think it takes a couple of those, you know, especially yeah. earlier on in your career where you go, oh, I screwed. That was a, I really screwed myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're an accomplished first AC. What is the advice that you would give someone who wants to work in the camera department? How to get in, you know, how to be successful. What advice would you give to someone who's listening right now? Well, I, I would highly recommend you don't take any job for granted. It could lead to something that you would never imagine. Like, like what I said earlier with meeting Michael Simmons on, I mean, this was a, this was a nothing job. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't expect anything out of it. I expect a couple hundred bucks. And because I, I took it seriously and I'm trying to impress or not, I'm not impressed, but I'm, I'm trying to do my best work no matter what. I think that those kind of things show and you're going to get called for the next job. So even if, if you're not interested, then you should, then you're probably not in the field you want to be in. You know what I mean? If, right. if you find yourself on a job being like, man, I wish I was home doing this or that. No, maybe that's, maybe this is not what you really want to be doing. Right. And I think there will be some people out there who do end up working on a film set in some capacity mm-hmm. and realizing that maybe this isn't really what I wanted. Because in my opinion, it is very different. Like the idea of working in film versus actually working in film to yeah. me is totally drastically different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But luckily I found the passion for it and the love for it. No, I, I agree. You know, um, I would also say maybe persist on i don't know if you have if you want to if you really do like the idea of working in movies and and you start in camera and it's just not for you maybe just keep keep going along maybe switch departments you know what i mean or vice versa if you're not in camera and you want to be in camera try that you know what i mean because i remember early on it was just i just kept going (laughs) you know i just kept doing different things and I had no idea I wanted to be a camera assistant. I, I don't. Most people don't know what that is. Right. And it just kept going to a point where I got to where I quite enjoy doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? There are a lot of things that I, I didn't enjoy, but you know, you just keep moving to the next job, and hopefully, it'll work out for you. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a very similar situation. I got once I got into the business and really, like my first day on set as a set PA. I had literally no idea what it was going to be like working narrative television. Mm -hmm. And I asked the second eight, the second, second AD, what time we get off work. And he just laughed and said, we get off work when we're done. Yeah. And that was like a smack in the face. Cause I would not like in a bad way, but just like, I had no idea that's how it worked. Cause I had done nine to five jobs my entire life until that moment. And then I became a camera PA and I started, and I wasn't really good at my job. I didn't understand you know, the workflow of like what my position was and what I needed to be doing and what was important, how to prioritize what's important versus what isn't important at the time. You know what I mean? And so like I would work with people and I would get like chewed out because I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing at that moment. Mm -hmm. And at points, I almost wanted to quit. I was like, I can't handle this. This is like 
Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, I'm doing the right thing and I'm still getting yelled at. Like, why am I yeah. dealing with this? And the better I got at the job, the more I understood how the job worked and all the moving pieces and stuff, the more I realized, oh, it was just me mm-hmm. not being as helpful as I could have been at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now I love it. Like once yeah. the confidence builds and you understand how it works. Yeah, that's then it's, the thing. It's the confidence building, which is it's hard to, to describe or or show someone how that goes you know what i mean right. it's just it just comes with like i said moving on to the next job and really watching your higher ups you know what i mean you you can't trust every like if you're seconding or whatever you can't like trust every first that they're doing their job right right but eventually you know the more you do it you realize what's working what isn't working and then um and then that builds in you in some sort of confidence yeah, I mean, I was nervous wreck early, early, you know, early on in my career. I would, I would be so nervous before a job. Um, the old, like you said, fake, fake it till you make it thing, you know. Yeah. But that's gone. No, I, I right. don't, I don't go to sleep or wake up in the morning with like upset stomach, just in fear of whatever may happen. You know what I mean? Right. I have a very strong idea of what's going to happen. You know, it's still hard days. I'm not like saying it's like easy. Right. No. But um, the confidence is there for you to be like, I can meet whatever, you know, the challenges of the day. Right. Yeah. That just comes with experience. And yeah. Thank you so much, Justin Simpson, for being with me. This was fantastic. Thank you, Nick Brown. (laughs) Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Focus Polar at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe to hear each new episode as they drop. If you're interested in being featured on the podcast, please reach out to info at focuspolaratwork.com. Thanks again.